I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the story of how one small island conquered the world. Jamaican Patwa. And a fair start, a Safa Pound. Usain Bolt is also out well. Here they come down the track. Usain Bolt! It's a story of music, sport, and style. How its rhythms, athletes, and language went global. Pull up, pull up. This is how Jamaica conquered the world. Hi, this is General Colin Powell. I'm speaking from my home in McLean, Virginia, just outside of Washington. I served 40 years in the government, 35 years as a soldier, to include becoming chairman of the American Joint Chiefs of Staff, and four years as Secretary of State. My parents came to the United States from Jamaica, my father in 1920, my mother in 1924. Both proverbially came on United Fruit Company boats, banana boats as they might call them. They met in New York, married a few years after they arrived. Two children came of that marriage. I am the youngest of the two. My sister Marilyn was a teacher for many, many years. Harlem, northern fringe of New York's Manhattan, is accustomed to strange sensations. But a new kind of sensation. Harlem was an exciting place at the time, and I didn't live there very long until I was two years old when we moved to the South Bronx section of New York City. But the neighborhood in the South Bronx was not terribly different from our neighborhood in Harlem. You had a lot of immigrant families in the community. It was high-rise tenement buildings. In those days, high-rise meant six floors. I had a very pleasant upbringing, playing with my fellow buddies in the street, most of whom were from immigrant backgrounds. So I grew up in this close, warm environment of the Anglican Church, of a good public school system, of parents who cared for their children. They essentially said, we have expectations for you. Getting an education is how you do well. There's no question about you finishing school. There's no question about you getting into college and seeing what you can do there. And above all, don't do anything that shames the family. They also brought with them from Jamaica a belief in education and proper use of the English language, even though sometimes I couldn't understand some of my aunts. They worked as laborers in the garment industry for the most part. Didn't make a great deal of money, but enough to put food on the table, clothes on our back. Uh, we never wanted for anything. And they were always sharing with the people back home, as they would always call it, in Jamaica by sending things there, sending money. Or the old Jamaican expression was to pack a barrel, put things into a barrel and ship it off to Jamaica for the people in need. 
I had lots of Jamaican cousins, aunts, and uncles sprinkled all through Bronx and in Queens and still in Harlem and many in Canada and the United Kingdom as well. What that family gave to me and my sister and all of the cousins in my family was a sense of belonging, sense of expectation. These people came here to this country to do better and to see their children do even better. When I think about Jamaican culture, the music is always uppermost. I'm a great fan of Bob Marley, Brian Lee and the Dragonairs, and all of those more contemporary performers. But in my youth, it was Calypso, great art Calypso, with Lord Kitchener, Lord Melody, the Mighty Sparrow, and many, many others from those days. And what I remember so vividly about the music was that we always had a big party on New Year's Eve, and all these old 78 RPM records would come out. And while I was still uh, young, say before 10 or 10 to 14 years old, not being terribly sophisticated about the world yet, I used to wonder what they were all laughing at when some of these songs were played that they understood perfectly, but I didn't quite get the double entendre yet. It was a moment that changed the course of American history. July 26, 1948, President Harry Truman signed an executive order effectively integrating the United States military. We have reached a turning point in the long history of our country's effort to guarantee freedom and equality to all our citizens. As I went through school, I wasn't the best student. I wasn't slow by any means, really. I just wasn't that committed. My grades reflected it. But I managed to get through high school with no difficulty, but with a, a very average grade. And I entered the wonderful place called the City College in New York, uh, which has been taking in poor and immigrant kids for 160 years and turning them into educated citizens. I found ROTC. ROTC stands for the Reserve Officer Training Corps. It's our cadet program to create young lieutenants for the armed forces. I found another family, so to speak. Having left my inner city neighborhood and going to college now every day, I had a family at the college consisting of my fellow ROTC cadets and a military way of life, which in some ways gave me the same discipline and structure as I was getting at home, and I loved it. I graduated college. I was offered a regular commission as a regular officer in the Army of the United States as an infantry second lieutenant, and I accepted it, not knowing where it would take me. My parents thought I should just serve my time and come out, but I really, really fell in love with being a soldier, and it was an interesting time. We had just come out of the era of segregation in the armed forces, and I was really in the first generation of officers who were not faced with segregation in the ranks. Communities around us may still be segregated, but the Army wasn't. We were perhaps the most progressive social institution in America back there in the 50s. 35 years later, I retired as a four-star general. And I finally got my immigrant parents to go along with my staying in the Army. I love to tell the story about my relatives saying, when are you coming out? You've been to Vietnam twice. You've been hurt both times. Why aren't you coming out? And I finally persuaded my more pushy aunts that if I stayed in, I could retire at age 41 with a 50% pension for life. And they said, stay in. And that was a great immigrant goal to get a pension for life of some kind. The town of Vinh Lin, just inside the border of North Vietnam, was struck today by U.S. and South Vietnamese planes. One South Vietnamese plane was lost, however the pilot parachuted safely, 
and the Soviet news agency TASS claims that three U.S. planes were lost. Uh, in 1962, I was sent to Vietnam by President Kennedy in order to participate with the South Vietnamese forces in resisting a communist takeover that was driven from Hanoi, the north of the Vietnamese capital. Uh, it was the beginning of a long engagement that the United States had in Vietnam, which finally ended in 1975. Uh, I was proud to go. I was proud to try to help the South Vietnamese, but the nature of the conflict changed over the years. And as we all know, the North Vietnamese prevailed. After I entered the Army, my career was pretty straightforward for an infantry officer. I served in Germany for two years initially. I served in Vietnam for two years. I served in Korea for a year, doing the things that infantry officers are supposed to do, command platoons and battalions, and commanding a brigade back here in the United States. Then my career started to take different track as I found myself being given positions of importance in essentially the civilian part of our government. Working for Secretary of Defense as a military assistant, I had a White House fellowship which allowed me to work in our Office of Management and Budget and to travel around the world. And then slowly but surely, as I advanced both in my military rank and in my experience in civilian activities, I was selected to be National Security Advisor to President Ronald Reagan. And I served as his National Security Advisor, which is his principal White House foreign policy and national security advisor for the last two years of his administration from fall of 1987 until early 1989 when he stepped down from office. After leaving President Reagan, I then returned to the Army and was given more senior positions. And finally, in the fall of 1989, that very same year that I left President Reagan, I was selected to be chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and served in that position for four years. I am very proud of this team and proud to add Colin Thank you, Mr. President, for your very kind words, and thank you, sir, for this new opportunity to serve you, to serve the men and women of the armed forces, and to serve our nation. Very pleased to be joining your national security team. I tried to do a good job in every uh, position I was sent to, and I was rated highly by my superiors. They sent me to a number of graduate schools, both military and civilian, to give me a deeper grounding in politics and military strategy and things of that nature. So I just worked hard, and people kept advancing me. I also think that because I was black, I was a minority, and it was such a progressive social institution, I may well have gotten uh, advantages in promotion and otherwise that uh, uh, my superiors thought were appropriate. But people who say to me, well, did you benefit from affirmative action? My answer is, I don't know. Maybe I did. But it wasn't how I got into a job that was important. It's what I did with that job. And so whether I got it because of performance or whether I got it because someone thought, hmm, maybe we ought to have somebody like Powell in that position, the only thing I cared about and what I always focused on is not how did I get this job, but how do I do it to the best of my ability. And the reason I kept moving up is because I always did it, I think, to the best of my ability and my superiors thought the same thing. Just two hours ago, Allied Air Forces began an attack on military targets in Iraq and Kuwait. These attacks continue as I speak. Ground forces are not engaged. This conflict started August 2nd when the dictator of Iraq invaded a small and helpless neighbor. Kuwait 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I know you all heard the speech a short time ago by the president. And while there is not a great deal we can add now, uh, we did want to be as forthcoming as we can with you. Seven o'clock tonight, as you all know by now, uh, Eastern Time, three o'clock Thursday morning in the Gulf, the armed forces of the United States began an operation at the direction of the president to force Saddam Hussein to withdraw his troops from Kuwait and to end his occupation of that country. We'd be happy to respond to a few questions. Can you describe uh, the Iraqi Air Force's resistance, if any, their losses so far, and to what extent do you think that you've already achieved uh, air superiority there? Well, the operation's only uh, two and a half hours old, so I'm not quite prepared to take on your second question. So far, there has been no air resistance. Can you tell us if there's been any casualties so far? We, uh... How would you rate this army you faced from the Republican Guard on down? Rating an army is a tough thing to do. A great deal of, of the capability of, the, of an army is its dedication to its cause and its will to fight. You're going to have the best equipment in the world, but if you're not dedicated to your cause, then you're not going to have a very good army. So many people were deserting that the Iraqis brought down execution squads whose job was to shoot people. I got to Shortly tell you after what, I became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, we were faced with a crisis in Kuwait because the Iraqi leadership under Saddam Hussein decided to invade its neighbor. President Bush was determined to reverse that aggression, and he assembled a large international coalition of nations. We all came together under the field leadership of General Schwarzkopf, a brilliant officer. Uh, we succeeded in reversing that aggression and kicking the Iraqi army out of Kuwait, which was our objective. Lots of discussion as to whether we should have continued to Baghdad, but that was not the mission that we had from our Congress, from our president, or from the international coalition that had been assembled. General Schwarzkopf and I became fairly well known during that period, and the way that worked is he was in command of the operation, but he reported through me to the Secretary of Defense. So I was really his day-to-day -day supervisor, and we worked very, very closely. Interesting story in that he came from a somewhat privileged family. He was a West Pointer. I was not a West Pointer. My family were immigrant folks from Jamaica living in New York City. But notwithstanding these cultural and other differences between Norm and myself, we became the best of friends, and we worked in a collaborative manner to be successful in that first war and everything else we worked on together. Kuwait is liberated. Iraq's army is defeated. Our military objectives are met. Kuwait is once more in the hands of Kuwaitis in control of their own destiny. Tonight, the Kuwaiti flag once again flies above the capital of a free and sovereign nation. Desert Storm was a highly regarded operation, and I think the American people and people around the world thought that it was a very, very successful combat operation, one of the largest since World War II. After that, I had a great deal of time, and I needed to find... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Find a way to bring down the size of the United States Armed Forces because the Soviet Union had gone away, disappeared. And we've been planning on having a fight with the Soviet Union for 50 years and it was not going to be the case. So we made the, the Army smaller. That was one of the most challenging leadership positions uh, I've ever been in. And not just the Army, but the Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps as well. Uh, and then finally, uh, I left the Army in the fall of 1993 and entered civilian life writing a uh, memoir which was fairly well received. It came out in 1995. And uh, going on the speaking circuit and getting involved in various business interests. I put the Army really behind me. I wanted to move into new things. And a great deal of attention was still focused on me in 1995 when it was suggested by some that I should run for the presidency or enter political Good life. Good evening and welcome to the first New Hampshire Citizens for Colin Powell for President. Our purpose is to provide you a vehicle for you to participate directly in our grassroots effort to persuade Colin Powell to enter the 1996 presidential race. What's the big thing this year? Election. Colin Powell. He should run. He could win. Colin can win. He should run. He can't win. Colin Powell can't win. Colin Powell got a better chance of winning the bronze in female gymnastics than being the president of the United States. White people ain't voting for Colin Powell. Say they are. They are not. After giving it a great deal of thought, that is not what I thought was right for me or for my family, and I declined to run for the presidency. Good afternoon. An important announcement is expected from Colin Powell in just a few minutes. Sources say Powell has decided not to run for president. ABC News will carry the announcement live. But saying at the same time, I would find other ways to serve my country because I believe I owed my country so much. And so I threw myself into youth programs and volunteer efforts, programs that would assist youngsters, particularly minority youngsters living in our inner city areas, find the path to the future that I found living in an inner city community. And for the next few years, that's what I focused on. Every 26 seconds, a teenager drops out of high school in this country. It is a shocking statistic that sheds light on a nationwide crisis, one that General Colin Powell and his wife Alma are determined to combat. They've launched a new initiative to keep kids in school called Grad Nation, and they join us now. Thank you so very much, ladies and gentlemen, for that very, very, very warm welcome. My fellow Americans, my fellow Republicans. I am 
honor to be with you and this And then evening. to my surprise uh, and delight, I was invited by President George W. Bush to be Secretary of State. Many times during the course of my campaign, I said that if all went well, General Colin Powell just might be called back into the service of his country. Today, it is my privilege to make that call and ask him to become the 65th Secretary of State of the United States of America. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Dumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. Washington, where I am going to check in with Secretary of State Colin Powell. Sir, can you hear me? Yes. I know you have said that the attacks yesterday constituted an act of war, and the United States will treat this as if it is a war. What does that mean? It means that we'll use our full resources to go after those who are responsible for this. And it is not uh, an action that will be over in a week or two. This has got to be a full-scale assault, not just by the United States, but by the civilized community against terrorism. Mr. President, Mr. Secretary General, distinguished colleagues, I would like to begin by expressing my thanks for the special effort that each of you made to be here today. This is an important day for us all as we review the situation with respect to Iraq and its disarmament obligations under... UN Security Council Resolution 1441. Last November 8th, this council passed Resolution 1441 by unanimous vote. The purpose of that resolution was to disarm Iraq of its weapons of mass destruction. Iraq had already been found guilty of material breach of its obligations, stretching back over 16 previous resolutions and 12 years. Resolution 1441 was not dealing with an innocent party but a regime this council has repeatedly convicted over the years. Resolution 1441 gave Iraq one last chance, one last chance to come into compliance or to face serious consequences. No council member present in voting on that day. Had Every statement I make today is backed up by sources, solid sources. These are not assertions. What we're giving you are facts and conclusions based on solid intelligence. The reality is that I was using the intelligence information that was given to the president, to our senior commanders, to the Congress and everyone else, and we all accepted it and believed that it was correct. But mine was the most visible presentation of that information, and it turned out that uh, we had it wrong. Got a lot done in those four years, although most people focus on Iraq and Afghanistan. A lot of other things were accomplished having to do with HIV AIDS programs, having to do with expanding NATO, having to do with signing a treaty to reduce nuclear weapons with the Russian Federation. But Iraq and Afghanistan are the focus of the administration as people look at the administration. And of course, my famous speech to the UN talking about the weapons of mass destruction that we thought Iraq had has become uh, very, very well known. 
Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. As you know from the White House announcement earlier today, I submitted my resignation as Secretary of State to President Bush on Friday. It has been my great honor and privilege to have been given the opportunity to serve my nation, and I will always treasure the four years that I have spent with President Bush and with the wonderful men and women of the Department of State. From NBC News. Decision 2008. Well, last year you gave a campaign contribution to Senator McCain. You have met twice at least with Barack Obama. Are you prepared to make a public declaration of which of these two candidates that you're prepared to support? I watched Mr. Obama and he displayed a steadiness, an intellectual curiosity, a depth of knowledge, and an approach to looking at problems like this and picking a vice president that I think is ready to be president on day one. Uh, Mr. Obama at the same time has given us a more inclusive, broader reach into the needs and aspirations of our people. Now back to General Powell. Uh, I, I, I just want to button this up because the drive-by has had a tizzy over my allegation that his nomination was about race. It, well, let me say it louder. And let me say it even more plainly. It was totally about race. Um, also before I, uh, we begin, I, I'd like to acknowledge some news that we learned this morning. With, with, so many, with so many brave men and women from Fayetteville who are serving in our military. This is a city and a state that knows something about great soldiers. And this morning, a great soldier, a great statesman, a great American has endorsed our campaign for change. So, General, I'd like you to be very specific and I'd like to be very brutal tonight about the Republican Party. What is it that you object to mostly that caused you to vote for President Obama twice? I voted for the president twice because, first and foremost, I didn't think that the economic plans suited for the times we were in, so I had an economic reason to do that. Secondly, I became a Republican officially in 1995 after I decided not to run, but in the last several years I have been troubled by the right shift of the Republican Party, and I've said this on a number of occasions, and so in 2008 I found that as an American was Senator Obama and then uh, now President Obama okay. re-elected. President Obama is economic plan as it worked among African Americans when you voted for him 12.7 unemployment December 2012 a month after you voted for him again 14 percent unemployment up income black income thirty two thousand dollars compared to white fifty five thousand gone down under President Obama hasn't worked even though his economic policies haven't worked for African-Americans and pretty much anyone else. Why are you only seeing me as an African-American bill? That because you did beside it. You did beside it. Though. No, I know that. America has uh, gone through a lot over the last 50 years. The one thing we'd be very proud of is the fact that increasingly the color of your skin, your background, your ethnicity, your sexual preferences, your gender means less and less. And the uh, election of 2012 in the United States demonstrated, I think, that people 
who are different, who reflect this great diversity of our country, are having more and more of a say in the future of the country. We are the most diverse nation in the world. We bring in immigrants wave after wave and have for our whole history and make them Americans, unlike other places in the world where you can never become a citizen of that country. In America, they come here never forgetting where they came from. My parents always called Jamaica home, but America was their new home. And uh, very few countries in the world can say that they have a way of integrating these floods of immigrants into their society, the way that America takes them in and makes them Americans, but does not ask and forget where they came from. It is a continuing process in this country. It's what's going to make this country 50% minority-majority in another generation. Most of our citizens, 50% plus, will be of this kind of diversity. And you want to know something? America can handle it. We can handle it because we've always handled it in the past. And anybody who thinks that we are not the same America don't understand us. My focus now is still on the future. I'm still speaking, just wrote another book, and still spending more and more time with youth programs. One youth program that I'm very happy about takes me right back to Harlem, to the City College of New York, where I'm now considered one of the successes of the City College of New York. And I now have a center and a school named after me, the Golden Powell School for Leadership and Service. I'm working with new generations of immigrants, new generations of people of modest income, and letting them know that there's a path to the future me a very, very successful life. Just passed my 50th anniversary of marriage and I have three wonderful children and four wonderful grandchildren. And I never forget that it all started with two short people, very, very short people who came to Ellis Island and the Port of Philadelphia back in the 1920s. Hello and welcome. It's been a long time. I've only done three shows this year, but it's been a very momentous year for How Jamaica. I have not only been successful with my Kickstarter, I raised 10,000 UK pounds, but I've, I've even launched another podcast for a client, a thing called Audio Lounge. So if you like music and the world of sound, you can go over to iTunes, type in Audio Lounge and go listen to that. Please rate it. Also, please rate this show, how Jamaica because if you don't rate it I don't get in those iTunes charts and I don't get more listeners but first off I have to say thank you to General Colin Powell and his assistant Peggy for agreeing to do this interview which was actually conducted at the back end of last year in November and I'm so sorry that it's taken so long to actually put it together but I think it was well worth the wait so again sorry for the lack of shows this year but I have been incredibly busy but things are now back on track and it's an exciting time for How Jamaica also last month I put on an event in London which I had about 350 people attend there are some pictures of that on Facebook so you can go and have a look at that and that was an evening of How Jamaica Conquered the World which had movies panel debate a bit of a DJ session at the end we had stalls it really was an amazing evening and I am trying to do that again before the end of the year and there is a bit of a plan that maybe I'll even step that around the country the country being the UK and possibly even the world in the next couple of years. If you want to drop me an email, you can. It's royfield at gmail.com. That's R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. If you don't fancy typing, you can post me a message via SpeakPipe. Quite simply, go onto the How Jamaica Conquered the World website and you can hit the red tab over on the right and hit me with a free voicemail message. The website is howjamaicaconqueredtheworld.com. That's all. I will see you all next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.